And then she would say, are you married? And I'd say, no, no, I'm not. And then she would point out one of the men in the church and say, how about him? And I would say, he's married to her. Oh, really, she says. Okay, not him. How about him? She'd say, say well, he's married to her. Really, she says. They don't look like they're married. <laughs> It was really fun. I think she's one of my favorite people in the church because during like really long meetings, she'd get up and she'd say, this is really boring. Where are the snacks? <laughs> Stuff like that. And everyone in the church treated her very well. Obachan, we, Auntie, we used to call her. And uh, she just really made me laugh. And I just thought like how um, Jesus was so kind to people and showed us how, how to be kind to people. And sometimes in the church, we're not always so kind to each other. Um, I think we often mean to be, um, but sometimes we're not. And so I want to talk about today, how can we be like Jesus? And how um, Jesus really shows us what the Father is like. So um, I had this friend, I have a friend, her name is Kathy, and uh, she's been married now for quite a few years, but when she was single, she had the best lines about marriage I've ever heard, because I don't know if you know this, but when you're single, a uh, single woman in the church, they often, uh, people often come up to you and ask why you're not married, and then they, they, t they give you advice about how you can be married, you know, you could have longer hair, you could be more outgoing, you could you know, um, go on online dating, you could meet my friend, you could have lots of advice for you. And um, I just want to let you know that people with shorter hair than me are married. And <laughs> people who are taller and shorter than me who are married, and people who are more outgoing and less outgoing than me are married. And so just sometimes it's a little bit um, hard in the church when people are trying to help and it's not so helpful. And so one of the lines that you hear a lot as a single woman in the church is, Jesus is your husband. People always say that. Jesus is your husband. And so she used to say, oh yeah, tell him it's his day for laundry. <laughs> and and um, people would, uh, people also, sometimes people really think they know who you're supposed to marry. And sometimes the guy himself knows that you're supposed to marry him. And so this one day, this guy came up to her and said, you know, and she didn't know him. He was like a new guy at their church. And he said to her, you know, Jesus uh, told me that, you know, we're to be married. And she said, really? Because I was talking with her this morning and she didn't mention you. <laughs> it was a little bit cheekier, but <laughs> it's... Um, they really, really were, like, she really was so, so funny. And um, so I want to talk about today, how can we honor the downtrodden like God does? God honors the downtrodden, and Jesus really shows us that. Uh, so, oh, no, yes. Okay, so in John 14, verses 6 to 10, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And Philip, I love, Philip's so great. There's lots of good stories about Philip. Philip says, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough. And Jesus says, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been with you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The, wor uh, yeah. the words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. See, in, before Jesus came, the Israelites were the people who knew God, 
right? And they showed God to the rest of the world. But the problem was the Israelites were afraid of God. And so when they showed God to the rest of the world, they were showing the rest of the world the God they were afraid of. You know, the Israelites said to Moses, there's no way we're going near God. In fact, we're not even going near the mountain. We are taking three steps backwards from the mountain. You go talk to God on the mountain, you know, because he's kind of scary. And so God, he wanted, you know, he wanted a really close relationship with us, right? Like he wants us to know him personally, and that's not really possible if we're afraid of him. And so part of what he did when Jesus came was he wanted to show us what he's like. And so when we look at Jesus, we can see what the Father's like. And I have a favorite story that a lot of you have heard, but I'm going to tell it again anyway because I really like it. Um, my friend John Rink, I don't remember if it was a dream or a vision. And in this dream and vision, he was playing soccer with Jesus because he likes soccer. And so the two of them were playing soccer and having lots of fun. And then John got a little bit tired, so he went off to the side to get a drink of water. And as he was standing drinking water, a second Jesus came on the field. And the two Jesuses were playing soccer together. And John's like, what is going on? Why are there two Jesuses on the field? And so the first Jesus, who John had been playing soccer with, came off the field and stood beside him. And John's like, Jesus, who is the other Jesus that's on the field? And Jesus turned to him and said, oh, don't you know, John, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Because he looks like me. Isn't that so good? I love how God talks to John Rink. <laughs> it's so cool. Because the thing is, that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to show us what he's like. In the thing about Jesus is he really does honor people. When you see him, when you read in the Bible the stories of Jesus talking to people, he was very honoring of them. And uh, God the Father, he also really honors us. And so um, I wrote a poem a few years ago that I want to read about how God honors us. It's called Courage to Look. It's kind of small, I'm sorry. It hurt to look at my brokenness. The pain went deep. Your love was a knife in my heart. I cried, what are you doing? You cut away the lies. I saw your truth, and it took away the pain. The scars don't hurt there. I'm strong there now. It hurt to look at my sin. The shame went deep. Your love was a light in my heart. I cried, don't shine on that. <laughs> you exposed my pride. You humbled yourself to death and took away my sin. The memories don't hurt. I am strong there now. It hurt to look at my glory. The disbelief went deep. Your love honored my heart. I cried, I don't want to stand out. I saw how you saw me, and you took away the veil of jealous lies. You revealed my true identity. The expectant hurt doesn't hope. Uh, the expected hope doesn't hurt. I am strong there now. I am glad I looked at my hurt. I am glad I looked at my sin. I am glad I looked at my glory. I am glad you healed me. You gave me courage to do it. You took away the pain. You're making me more and more like you. You are growing me in authority. I want to be like you. What? Um, 
what God had been talking with me about when I wrote that poem was how he put his glory in us. In John 17, Jesus says that he gave us his glory. He gave us his glory, which I didn't really know before. I'm like, really? John 17, 22 to 23 says, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and you have loved them even as you have loved me. Did you know that God gave you glory and that it's okay to look at that glory and to have that glory show? In fact, God so honors us that he wants the glory he put in you to show so that the world will know that he's God. Like, when I, when I first saw that, I'm like, no, God, I think that's wrong. I don't think what you wrote there in the Bible is right. <laughs> have you ever thought that? Like, that can't be right. Like, I can't have some of your glory. That doesn't sound right. But he said, yes, yes. Because, see, he's a God who honors. He's a God who gives us part of himself. He lives in us. In fact, not only did he give us part of his glory, but all his glory lives in us because Jesus lives in us. And there's a purpose. The purpose is that the world will know him. The world will know him. Like, he's so honoring of us. And when we understand who he made us to be, why he did that, when we accept, yes, I am someone that God put glory in that God honors, we can be who he really made us to be. And as a church, we can have unity. Because the thing about that is when we really understand who we are, there's no jealousy. You don't have to be jealous of someone else because you understand what God made us to be, what he made me to be. And it's so wonderful, so much more wonderful than I ever thought, than I could ever imagine. I don't have to be jealous of someone else. I don't have to feel bad about who I am because it's, why would he do that? Why would he give us so many gifts? Why would he give us like just such honor when I obviously don't deserve it? You know, because I, I don't, because he gave it as a gift. Right? It's not because I deserve it. It's a gift. And he wants us to understand that honor. And I love this story about the woman who had been bleeding who comes to Jesus because she's so downtrodden. Like, if I ever think I'm downtrodden, I can read this story and feel like I have a wonderful life. So we're going to read the story, and I'm going to talk about it a bit. It's found in Mark 5, verse 25 to 34. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. So she'd had a period for 12 years. It hadn't stopped bleeding. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet, instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that it was, she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? I love it. He knew it came out from his clothes. And 
You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered. And yet you ask, who touched me? Like, I touched you, she touched you, he touched you, they all touched you, they all touched you. What do you mean, who touched you? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Because Jesus knew when he looked in the eyes, he would know it was that person. Then the woman, who also knew it, knowing what happened to her, came and fell at his feet and, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. So uh, this woman was sick. And I don't know how many of you have been sick for a while where you go to a prayer meeting and they pray for you and you're not healed and you go to the next prayer meeting and they pray for you and you're not healed and you go to the doctor and they don't know what's wrong and they think it's this and they think it's that and they do tests and then maybe they find out what's wrong and then there's more tests and more procedures and you just feel like you're getting worse and worse and you go to lots of doctors and spend lots of money. I know that happens a lot. Um, I've spent a lot of money on my back. It is better, but not completely healed. And I go for a prayer every time. And it's discouraging and sad and painful. And sometimes it's hard to come to church because it hurts to get out of bed, right? It hurts to roll over. It's hard when you have a sickness and you go for prayer and the people say, um, have you forgiven? And I say, yeah, I've forgiven, but I'll do it again because, you know, if forgiving one more time will make the pain go away, I'm going to do it. You know, but after a while, it just sort of feels like people are saying, are you forgiven? Because they think I didn't really forgive when they asked the last time. You know, or I go to the doctor, and I remember um, when I was young, and uh, we didn't know what was wrong. I had allergies, but we didn't know that. And uh, eventually, we went through a whole bunch of tests, and eventually the doctor told me it was all in my head but I just kept getting sicker and sicker. So when we found out it was allergy, so I was so happy because it wasn't all in my head. <laughs> you know, this lady, um, she kept getting worse and worse. She was, she was pretty sick. I bet it was difficult for her to go even see Jesus that day. And then the second thing about this lady, not only was she sick, but she was poor because it said she spent all she had, everything. When she came to Jesus, she had nothing left. And um, I don't know how many of you have been in that position, too, where there is nothing in the bank account. Um, I know you guys have heard my stories about being a missionary in Japan and not having enough money to take the train into the city to lead the Bible study I was supposed to lead that night. <laughs> you know, just... And um, when, I, when I was asking people to pray for finances, they would always say, oh, do you tithe? And I would say yes. And in fact, sometimes people wouldn't ask. They would just pray, preach at me. Dear God, please help Amanda to tithe. <laughs> like, I, I, I tithe. <laughs> you know, like, and I don't know if you've ever been looking for a job for a long time. And every week you go to church, people ask, do you get a job? Do you get a job? You know, they want to be helpful because they want to pray. But really, it sounds like, why don't you have a job yet? You know, and then they ask, like, you know, did you apply to McDonald's and Tim Hortons? And they ask, like, they do, right? Like, can, you know, uh, can I help you do this? Like, it's really hard when you don't have a lot of money and people know it because sometimes while meaning to, meaning to help, we're actually hurting the person, you know? And this lady, I'm sure she experienced that. I'm sure her friends said, have you tried this? Have you tried that? Because we want to help. That's what friends do. But it is sometimes a little bit hurtful and sometimes you don't want to go to church, you know?
And I bet there were times where she didn't want to let people know that she had no money left again because she spent it on doctors because they would say, why'd you do that? You should have done X, Y, and Z. No. And then the last thing about this lady, she was um, sick and she was poor and also she was lonely because um, in her condition, in um, Israelite culture, she had to call out unclean, unclean as she walked around um, because uh, having her, her period all the time made her unclean. And anyone that touched her would also be unclean until uh, the evening when they washed. And so people wouldn't want to go near her because then they would be unclean and that meant that you couldn't go to the temple and you couldn't do all these other things. And then if you're unclean, nobody wants to be around you, right? So I'm pretty sure she was pretty lonely. And you notice that she came alone, and you notice it says nothing about her family, that she spent all her money, right? So I think probably this lady was um, pretty lonely. And when she comes to Jesus, she actually does a really brave thing because the rules also state that if you do not call out unclean, unclean, that you can be kicked out of Jewish society. So she could be kicked out of the temple for what she did here today, right? So she came up. She didn't call out unclean, unclean. She touched probably a whole bunch of people trying to get to Jesus. Now everyone in the crowd there is probably unclean, you know, and she touches Jesus' hem. So um, to be kicked out from society would basically be the death sentence for her because she wouldn't be able to get money anyway. Um, even if before she could have begged, then she, they wouldn't give her money, right? So this was sort of like an all or nothing. Like this was her last chance. There was nothing else she could do. If this didn't work and she was found out, that would be it for her. And so then I want to see, what does Jesus do? What is his response, right, to people who are downtrodden? You know, for those of us who are lonely, for those of us who don't have a lot of money, for those of us who are sick, what is Jesus going to say? When we come to him in a last-ditch effort, for help because the doctors haven't helped and our friends and family don't have the answer and we're just desperate and we come to him and then what does Jesus do? So Jesus, the first thing he says to her is daughter. And the, in the, it doesn't say, but really the implication here is daughter of Abraham because that's what the Jewish people called themselves, the sons and daughters of Abraham. He was saying, daughter of Abraham, you are still part of our society. I do not kick you out of our society for what you did here today, even though you did something wrong. Because according to their laws, she had done something wrong. And the first thing he says is, you're still mine. You're still mine. When you've responded wrong, in a wrong way, to your sickness, to not having money, you're mine. You're part of the community. I'm not going to kick you out. Daughter, he says, your faith has healed you. You know what I love about this? Jesus says that if we have faith as a mustard seed, we can move mountains. I don't know about you, but I really find that hard to believe because it seems like I should have more faith than a mustard seed, and I'm pretty sure that I've never moved a mountain, although, you know, who knows, maybe I have, but in a, so I brought, I brought my necklace today. This is a necklace my grandmother gave me uh, before she died, and it has a mustard seed in it, and I, I don't think you guys can see. I'm going to walk up and down here, but you can come up later and see it, but it's this little dot at the bottom there. That's a mustard seed, so the Bible says that if we have a mustard seed, we can move mountains. You know what else it says? 
It also says that Jesus, that we have a measure of faith, that we're given a measure of faith. So a measure was um, an amount in Israel that they use to measure things, and it's more than a mustard seed. I don't know how much it is. I didn't look it up, but it's more than a mustard seed. So we're given a measure of faith, and all we need is a mustard seed of faith. And he says to her, your faith has healed you. And what I love about this is Jesus meets us where our faith is at. So everyone here has demonstrated more than a mustard seed of faith today because you came to church. The act of getting up and coming to church is more than a mustard seed of faith, right? So Jesus meets us there. Do you know there was a man who said to Jesus, if you're willing, you can heal me. His faith was, if you're willing. And Jesus said, I'm willing, and healed him. He met that man where his faith was. There's another man that said, if you just come with me to my house, you can heal my daughter. So Jesus came with him to his house and healed his daughter because he met him where his faith was at. It was more than a mustard seed. And then there was a man who said, if you just say the words, you know, my servant will be healed. And Jesus said the words and his servant was healed. He met him where his faith was at. All these people demonstrated more than a mustard seed of faith, and Jesus met them where their faith was at. This lady thought, if I just touch, I'll be healed. You know, where is our faith at? Because we have faith. We have a measure of faith. You've all today demonstrated more than a mustard seed of faith, and he meets us where our faith is at. That's what I love about Jesus. So when, when we're downtrodden, you know, God accepts us, because Jesus shows us that. And then he meets us where we're at. He doesn't say you have to do X, Y, and Z. Although I have to say, many, many times I've prayed with people and asked them to forgive, and it really made a huge difference in their life. I'm not saying not to do that, but I'm saying Jesus never asked somebody to forgive before he healed them. He never did. He met them where their faith was at because they all came to him. If you come to Jesus, you have demonstrated more than a mustard seed of faith. When we come to God, he meets us where our faith is at. I love that about this story. And then he says, go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Do you know, being freed from her suffering isn't just the physical suffering, is it? It's also the mental and emotional suffering. She was instantly freed. You know, God so honors us and he shows us it through Jesus. And I just love, love, love this story for that. So, God honors the sick. He honors the poor, and he honors the lonely. And um, I talked about sickness that you can see and sickness you can't see. You know, people who um, have uh, depression or um, who have dyslexia. You know, there's lots of sicknesses you can't see, right? And God so wants to heal those. There was a lady um, at the House of Prayer in Kansas City. I was listening to her speak at a conference one time. And she had been very sick for quite a few years. She had uh, something wrong with her digestive system where she was in the hospital about one week of every month. And same as me, same as a lot of you, she got prayer all the time whenever people came. And this one day, this lady came and told her, you're sick because you have a nose ring. And she's like, okay. So she took out the nose ring, and the lady prayed for her, and she left the nose ring out for a couple of days, but she wasn't healed, so she put the nose ring back in. 
<laughs> you know. And later on, she was healed at another uh, meeting. You know, there was another meeting, and just that day she was healed. And she asked God, God, why did you heal me today and not some other day? But she didn't hear anything. But she was so pleased that God healed her. And one of the things about her sickness was she couldn't eat any spicy food, and she loved spicy food. Um, and so that night she went out to a Mexican restaurant and ate, like, um, burritos and, like, all the spicy food. And she knew she was healed because there was no pain. So um, God just really honors us when we get out of bed and we come to church when we're sick, you know? And some days we don't. And he honors us when we um, pray that morning. You know, God, I can't go to church today because I'm in too much pain. You know, he honors that faith that we still come to him. Uh, God honors the poor. I started uh, tithing, well, when I was a kid, my parents taught me to tithe, right? We had um, a dollar uh, allowance. I don't know if any of them, I'm pretty old. We had a dollar allowance, <laughs> and um, we had to put 10 cents into the offering plate every week, and that was what my parents taught us. But um, when I got to be like 11 and 12, I started uh, babysitting, and I don't think I really realized that from the babysitting money I was supposed to tithe. And this one day I was reading the Bible and I understood through the Bible that I should be tithing my babysitting money. I was like, oh, I, I'm gonna do that. And so since then I've tithed, um, I've tithed all the time. And what I really, really love about tithing is that God has done so much for me, like so much. He gave me life and a family and health and a job I love and family who loves me and friends who I love and lots of experiences. And there's just so little I feel like I can do for God because he has everything. But he asks if I would give him back some of my money. And I love doing that. I love doing that. And he's so, like, so blessed me through tithing and offering. Um, and I have some um, missionary friends that I support, and my goal is to make enough money that those missionary friends don't have to do a part-time job anymore. They can just full-time minister. So I'm asking God that my, I wrote a book, that my book would be very, very successful so that I could give into those ministries. And it's just so fun hearing their stories, you know, of what God's doing. And I love, love tithing and offering. But when I was in Japan as a missionary, um, I often didn't give very much because 10% of nothing is nothing. <laughs> and the offering, there's a few people who I had to stop supporting because I didn't have enough. And I was so sad about that, you know. And I just want to encourage you, if you haven't tried tithing, like giving God back 10%, I want to encourage you to try it because he does it for our benefit. Like, he doesn't do it because he needs our money. Because the Bible tells us that God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. So he's rich in cows. He doesn't need your money. <laughs> but what happens is when we give him money, we are free from money being our owner instead of us being money's owner. Right? Because money can really have a stranglehold on us. And then we really serve money, right? Because we're doing things to get money. And when we give money back to God then the stranglehold is released. 
And he, he does bless. He is faithful. I'm not saying you're going to be rich because certainly of all the Christians in the world, we're not all rich. But I am saying that he is faithful. And he changes your heart. He does change. I do believe he changes finances as well. I do believe he wants to bless. But the biggest change for me was in my heart. You know, and so, um, like I said before, try it for a month, you know. Um, but I do uh, have had times in my life, and I do know people who, there were times when God said to them, you know, I don't want you to give 10% anymore. I want you to give 5%. And a friend of mine came and said, Amanda, I don't know if this is really God, because I don't know if he would say just give 5%. And I said, well, I don't know either, actually. So we prayed, and we read the Bible, and we saw what Jesus said. You know, and Jesus said, you know, you should give uh, dill and cumin because the Pharisees were giving a tenth of all their, a tenth of all of their spices from their gardens, but they weren't giving 10%. So he said, Jesus said, you should give a tenth of your spices, but also give a tenth. And he said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, you know, give to the government their taxes and give to God what is God's. And in the Old Testament, there's lots of lots of scriptures about how every third year we are to give money to the poor and about how some of the money is to go to the Levites. That is, in our days, that's going to be missionaries and pastors. And there was just a lot around that. And I said to her, you know, I don't know if this is right, but if you feel that that's what God is saying and that's what you really believe, I think you should follow what you feel he's saying. But it really made her heartbroken to give less to God. But for a time, she gave less. And as she got... Um, a better job, she gave more again. And sometimes as the church, even if she was wrong, God still honors her heart, right? Because her heart was for God. And sometimes I feel like we just, when we feel we know what's right and we let people know and they don't do it, we feel like it's our responsibility to make them do the right thing. You know, so if we know somebody who's looking for a job and they've stopped because they're discouraged, but they should really still be looking, sometimes in our trying to help them, we really dishonor them. You know, because our job isn't to convince people. Our, God, our job is just to share, right? This is what God says. This is what the Bible says. You know, this is maybe my experience, just to share, right? And let God do the convincing, you know. I love how... Um, Jesus honored the widow with the two mites. There's a story of Jesus. As people are giving offering in the temple, he watches them. Can you imagine if Pastor Ramesh went around, like, watching what you put in the offering basket? What are you putting in today? And then he comments on it to his disciples. Hey, Otten, you know what these people put in the offering? That's what he did. He's like, this lady put in two mites, and that guy put in a lot of money. <laughs> I'm like, I've never seen a pastor do that. <laughs> and then he says... The lady who put in two mites, she put in more than anyone else. He honored her. He so honored her. And he didn't dishonor the others. He didn't say what they did wasn't worthwhile. He said she did more. You know, and Jesus shows us the Father's heart. When people don't have a job, when they've been looking for a long time, God honors them. He so honors what they do. You know, coming to church costs money because you have to take the bus you know, God honors the lonely. Um, people who've recently lost someone important in their life 
often feel so lonely, you know, and uh, people who are single, who want to be married, especially people who live alone, are often lonely. I remember when I lived alone, I could go for weeks without anyone touching me at all. That's why I love doing uh, kids ministry, because you get hugs there. <laughs> now I live with family. But um, I remember, I think I've told this story before too, um, one year when I was in Japan, I was invited to eight weddings. <laughs> Eight of my friends got married this one year. And it wasn't just people I knew. Trev got married that year. He was my best friend in the church. A girlfriend from the time I was five got married. Another one from the time I was eight got married. Two of the girls that I was mentoring in Japan got married. And I was invited to eight weddings that year. And I felt like, you know, after university and everyone gets married, like just after university, I kind of felt like just after university I'd missed the boat. And here this year, I was missing it again because all my friends were getting married. And if you had asked me um, that year, Amanda, why aren't you married? I probably would have started crying right then. Because it was a hard year. And um, God really um, spoke to me that year about what heaven is like. And I think I've shared this before as well, but he shared with me that everything on earth is like a shadow of what's to come in heaven. That this life is to show us about heaven and that being married is a shadow of what our relationship is like in heaven with God, what that intimacy is like with God. And he said, you know, Amanda, on a wedding day, the groom is never sorry that he can't see the bride's shadow because he has the bride. He said, in heaven, you're not going to be sorry even if you never get married because you'll have me, the thing that you're supposed to be learning about. That really healed my heart a lot, you know. And I do a lot of ministry with young adults, and I have to let you know that there are many, many young adults for whom this is a, a big issue, where they're really worried that they're not going to get married, especially um, in Japan. There's many more uh, Christian women than Christian men. And the Christian women are very worried that they won't be married and that they're going to miss out, you know. And what does God think of that? You know, what does he say to that? In the Song of Solomon, um, the uh, prince is talking, or the king is talking, the man, and he says to the woman, the beloved, with one glance of your eyes, you overwhelm me with your love. Do you know when we look at Jesus, we overwhelm him with love? I didn't know that Jesus could be overwhelmed. I, like, I, never, I didn't think that was possible. He says, Amanda, when you look at me, when you say good morning, when you open my word, when you go to pray, when you sing a hymn, one glance overwhelms me with your love. Is that not so honoring? I'm like, God really honors us. So I want to talk about how can we honor like God honors, right? How can we be an honoring community to the sick and to the poor and to the lonely? Because how can we do it so that when we try to help, we're not actually hurting that person, right? So here's some questions that don't honor. Do you have a job yet? When are you going to have children or the next child? Do you know that there are women who have had three miscarriages trying to have babies? And if you ask them when are they going to have children, they will definitely cry. 
You know, that's just a knife in the heart. And we don't know it. We don't mean it to be like that, right? We're just being friends, you know? So these questions are not really honoring questions, even when we mean them to be. Honoring questions are, what can I pray for you? How can I help you? And you know when you ask people, how can I help you, you know what they say? Oh, you can pray for me. <laughs> That's what they say, right? These are ways that we can honor people. And how to honor. Only give advice when asked. This was my New Year's resolution about two years ago. Um, so if you are somebody's pastor, if you are somebody's parents, you are free to give them advice, right? Because you're in a position of authority over them, right? If you are a good friend with someone who's asked you for advice, you are free to give advice. But what happens is when we give advice, the message is you're not doing it right. So sometimes I know I'm not doing it right, and I ask for help, right? But when we give someone advice without asking it, what we're saying is, you're doing something wrong and I'm gonna tell you how to do it right. And we're meaning to be helpful. But I wanna suggest that we don't give advice unless somebody asks us, right? When, you, when somebody asks, we're free to give advice. This is something I learned from the book, uh, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. <laughs> the guy was like, don't give men advice. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I give advice all the time. I have to stop. So if I give you advice without uh, you asking, please stop me, because I'm, I'm really trying not to do that anymore. <laughs> Ask Holy Spirit how to pray. It is so true that when people have sickness and they haven't forgiven, that can be a block to their healing. And when we ask, do you need to forgive someone? And they say yes, and they forgive. They can be healed right away. And with a hammer of forgiveness, we can hammer down the nail of unforgiveness. However, if the problem is not a nail, but it is a screw, and you take out your hammer, you're going to hurt that person, aren't you? Right? So we really want to be careful when we're praying for someone to ask Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what should I do here? Because sometimes he doesn't want you to say anything or do anything or even touch them. Just stand there and pray. You know, there's definitely been people, even people who've asked me to pray for them, and as I went to God, he was like, don't pray for them. They should pray for you. I'm like, okay, so they came up for prayer, and I'm going to make them pray for me? He's like, yeah. I'm like, um, God says that you should pray for me. <laughs> like, I was really worried, and the lady was like, oh, yeah, let me pray for you. I'm like, okay, good. <sighs> you know, like, it's scary sometimes what God asks us to do. I think I told you the story of um, when I was uh, working at this one school, the librarian was a very large Jewish man who was very strict with the kids, and he and I had a good relationship, and he had a bad back. And this one day, he was complaining to me about his bad back, and God's like, I want you to pray for him. And I was like, no way. He's a big Jewish man. I'm not praying for him. He's going to be mad at me. <laughs> you know, hopefully I'm getting better at doing what God asked me to do, but like, it is scary sometimes. And it's also so good to ask them, how should I pray? Do I need a hammer, a screwdriver? You know, what, what tool do you want me to use? Do you want me to use forgiveness? Or do you want me to use the, you know, my healing belongs to me prayer? Or, you know, do you want me to uh, speak words of love over this person? You know, what do you want me to do? The third thing is, if we don't know why the person isn't healed, why they're not getting a job, it's okay to say, I don't know. In fact, it's so much better to say, I don't know, than to say, 
Have you done forgiveness? Have you done generational prayers? Have you done inner healing? Have you done deliverance? That really, that can be really hurtful. Right? It's just better to say, I'm so sorry, I don't know. Seems like you should have a job by now. I don't know why. You know, it's okay to say, I don't know. Next, if God shows you a sin or a problem in somebody's life, unless you are their pastor or their parent, or they have asked for your advice, Jesus showed you that so you can pray for them, not so you can tell them. Right? So sometimes God shows us stuff, and we're so excited to share it because he showed us stuff, and we know he showed us, but it can still be hurtful. Because it's not only what Jesus did, but how he did it, right? It's not only what God does, but how he does it. I think I've shared before when God wants to show me sin in my life, he doesn't say to me, Amanda, that's a sin in your life. You know what he does? He makes me want to change. I think I want to say less critical words. That's how it comes out because he's so honoring of me, you know? The last one is to see Jesus in that person. I try this when I'm driving and someone cuts me off. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call Jesus' name, so I'm not going to call that person a name. I'm really not. You know, like, when we see Jesus in the person, it makes us more likely to be compassionate, more likely to be loving, more likely to be honoring. Yeah, I think I've told the story. Um, Pastor Steve, one of his sons, he was trying to teach his sons when you drive not to speak curses over people. And so um, one of his sons, I forget which one, was driving and somebody cut him off. And he's like, he, he, Pastor Steve taught them to bless the person instead of to curse. And so the guy cut him off and the son says, I bless you to go to France in Jesus' name. <laughs> What I really, really love, one of the things I really, really love about Jesus is that I'm not worried about what he's going to say about me or to me because he's shown me such love and honor. And like right now, I just want to feel, I just feel that God wants to so honor you guys. And just like I read in that verse that God gave us glory that we could show the world about his love, he wants to honor us so that we can be honoring, so that when we honor people, they'll say, why are you so different from other people? And we can share with them why. Because our Father is an honoring Father, an honoring God. And I just feel like he wants to honor you guys for coming today. I feel like God is saying, thank you for coming to church today in honoring me, and I feel like he wants to honor you for the choices that you make about him. That even though you're sick and it hurts to come to church, you come. And even though it's been hard to find a job and people keep giving you advice and it seems like they think you're doing something wrong because you don't have a job, you still come to church and you still pray to me. And even though sometimes you're lonely, you could be lonely in a family, you know, where it seems like people should understand you and they don't. He says, you come to me, and he just wants to honor you for that. And you know, he goes around heaven honoring you to the angels. The word says that whoever acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge them in eternity. 
Do you know that he goes around saying to the angels, have you seen my son and daughter? They're so wonderful. Here's their picture. I'm going to put it on my fridge. And the angels are like, yeah, yeah, we know. You tell us all the time. He really thinks you're so wonderful. He just honors you so much in your heart. And it doesn't matter about what we do. The woman who had the issue of blood didn't stop bleeding for 12 years. She did stuff wrong. She did not cry out, unclean, unclean. And he said, daughter, go in peace. You know, he's just honoring you guys. He says, this is just such a great church doesn't matter what they've done. I honor them. I give them my glory. And so today we honored Alex and Vivian, and I want to say today we're honoring everyone, that God is honoring you guys. He just says, you know, it's my heart that you would stand in front of thousands of people, and I would tell them how wonderful you are about all the beauty in your heart, but all the times you chose me when you didn't have to, but all the times you came to me one more time, just one more time, about the times when you put in your last two pennies, when you gave food to somebody and you didn't have any, when you gave a hug to someone and you were feeling lonely, when you had problems but you listened to your friend and prayed for them anyway. He just honors you. He honors you. And I just want to ask your forgiveness on behalf of the church, if we have hurt you, if we have dishonored you when you were poor or sick or lonely or some other time and we indicated that you were doing something wrong, I'm so sorry. Would you please, please forgive us? And today we want to say that we honor you for who you are, for the choices you made. We honor you as sons and daughters of God. We want to speak out his words of honor over you. In Jesus' name. And if you would like prayer, and especially if you feel shame in some areas, where, especially where God wants to honor you, we would love for you to come and get prayer um, after the service up here. Our leaders are going to be up here waiting to pray for you. Um, and we would love to just pray prayers of honor because um, there's no space for shame in the church. And uh, so I'm just going to pray. Father God, thank you for sending Jesus to show us that you're not a scary God, but a loving God who honors us. And thank you so much for honoring us when we don't deserve it. When we do things wrong, how you honor us anyway. Thank you for how you honor our hearts. And would you help us to be people who honor each other and who honor those around us. We want to take the glory and the honor you give us and share it with the world. Show them what a great God you are. Show them how you, Jesus, show us God the Father, that they would know us by our love, that we show through honor. Father, would you come with your words of honor? Would you speak to our hearts what it is you want to say to us? How you honor us for being maybe good dads or good moms or 
a good wife or a good friend, how you honor us for being honest at work. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So now the good part. Now we eat. <laughs> so again, if you'd like prayer, please come on up and get prayer. But otherwise, I encourage you to head downstairs for delicious food.